Good morning, everyone. I am excited to be here this morning, eight o'clock on a Sunday morning. We're just we're just so proud of all of you for saying, you know what, I'm going to go to eight o'clock so we can make room in our other services for people. And thank you so much for being here this morning. Last Sunday, Easter Sunday, we had over 500 people either sitting or serving during the eight o'clock service last Sunday. Isn't that amazing? We just thank God for that. So obviously you're sitting here in this service and maybe you're serving in the next service. Uh, We're just so grateful for that. And uh, we just look forward to God building his kingdom through his local church. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Mark, chapter 10 this morning. We're going to pick up on our series that we started last week. The series is entitled, Everybody Wins. And last week, when death is defeated, everybody wins. This week, today, when we get real, everybody wins. We're talking about the church being real. We showed you a video just a few moments ago about mental illness and how real it is and And there are many people in our churches right here this morning here at Glad Tidings that are perhaps struggling with some type of of mental illness. And we want Glad Tidings to be a safe place where all people from all backgrounds can find real transformation in Christ. No matter what your illness is or your struggle is, uh, we want to be a place that's real. If you ask people outside of the church... What they think of the people inside of the church, a lot of times they'll say, well, the church is just just full of a bunch of hypocrites. That's why I don't go to church. That's what people say, right? And my reply to them is, you know what? You're absolutely right. And we could stand to use one more. Why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? You know. You know, we show up, right? We, we, we have big smiles on our faces, high-fiving, shaking hands. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. Everybody's fine. And every once in a while, you'll run into somebody who's really a spiritual giant. And you say, how are you? And they say, I'm blessed and highly favored. But the rest of us are fine. (laughs) Right? My question this morning is, if we're all fine, what are we doing here today? I mean, really. Now, don't all get up and leave right now. But if we're all fine, why didn't we sleep in this morning? How come you're not home this morning eating Captain Crunch cereal? Right. How come you're not playing golf? Beautiful day. Go fishing. Right. Beautiful day. You're here this morning. But here's the deal. We're not all fine. And that's part of the reason we're here today, isn't it? We're all on a journey towards wholeness. We're all on a journey towards wholeness. You know, I've, I've found that there is um, there's a bit of hypocrisy in perhaps all of us. There's a bit of pretend in all of us. And this isn't a new thing. It's been around for a long time. And uh, in Matthew chapter 23, we're not going to read it, but I was reading it last. Well, it was six months ago. I was reading it. And, and Jesus, in that passage, he is rebuking the spiritual leaders of the day. And he's rebuking them for their uh, for their hypocrisy. And I wrote in my journal, I wrote how to be a world-class hypocrite. And this is the list I wrote in my journal. First and foremost, don't practice what you preach. Ask people to do things you yourself are not willing to do. Put demands on people that you don't find in the Bible. This is a summary, by the way, of, of Matthew 23. Do everything for people to see. 
love titles, seek positions of authority and love to be honored and esteemed. Make it difficult for people to find and experience grace. Give your full attention to outside appearances, not to matters of the heart. Talk about other people's screw ups, but never your own. Act like you know it all and reject people who don't agree with you. And whatever you do, don't let people see the real you. This was the condition of the spiritual leaders in Israel at the time of Jesus. And at the very end of Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says something very, very, um, maybe shocking, startling. He says this. He says, such men will be punished most severely. Such men and women, I think we can say, we're talking mankind. Jesus said will be punished most severely. Now, how many of you know Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, to punish the world, but to save the world? That's what John 3.17 says. So Jesus, he's not out to punish hypocrites. He's actually out to gather them. His heart is to gather them. And in the same passage in Matthew 23, Jesus says, I long to gather you. I long to gather you to myself. But then he said this, but you were unwilling. You were unwilling to what? You were unwilling to be real about your condition. So what's it going to take? What's it going to take for us to be real about our condition? There's a guy in Mark chapter 10 who gives us a great picture of what it looks like to be real. And his name is Bartimaeus. And he is blind and he is a beggar because he is blind. And maybe this morning we can call him Bart. How about that? Bart. So we're going to look at Bart today and we're going to see what it takes to be real. Let me give you a little background before we read this passage in Mark chapter 10. Jesus is actually on his way to Jerusalem. It's 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 um, his last trip to Jerusalem before his before the crucifixion. He's on his way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And on his way, he passes through one of the oldest cities in the world called Jericho. And on his way outside of the city, this is the event. It happens there. Now, Jericho is about 15 to 18 miles from Jerusalem. How about that for a walk? Huh? Hey, let's go to church. Which service are you going to? Eight o'clock. What time are you getting up? 2 a.m. It's a long walk. So 15 to 18 miles. And, and, and this journey to Jerusalem, um, the rabbis, as they would journey this journey, they would teach along the way. That was the practice of, of rabbis. A rabbi is a teacher. That's what rabbi means. And so they would, that rabbi would be surrounded by all of his disciples, plus many crowds of people. And in this case, lots and lots of people, because Jesus was a very popular but very controversial rabbi of his day. And so as they're walking through Jericho, huge crowds. Okay, huge crowds. And by the way, a lot of the priests that served the temple in Jerusalem lived in Jericho. They were getting ready to go as well. So all these priests were there and the law required that if you were a Jewish male, 12 years of age and above, you had to go to Passover if you lived within 15 miles of Jerusalem. 
So here you have all these young boys getting ready to go too. And if they couldn't go, they'd be along the streets and they would be watching and cheering everybody as they're going along to Passover. Do you see the big picture going on here? Big, exciting time. Lots of, lots going on. Jesus is teaching as he's going. And now we pick it up in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him, be quiet. And why do you think they were telling him to be quiet? Jesus was teaching. He was as he was passing through, he was teaching. He was with his disciples. He was teaching and they didn't want the teacher to be interrupted. Be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. I love that. Jesus stopped and he said, call him. And so they called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you, throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet. He came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, which means teacher. It's this very personal um, personal address of Jesus. He was saying, Jesus, you're my teacher. You're my personal teacher. You're my rabbi. I'm your disciple. Jesus, I want to, I want to see. And Jesus said, go, said Jesus, your faith, not your shouting, your faith has healed you. That word healed, if you look at it in the Greek, it's sozo. It's actually the word to saved, healed, saved. Your faith has saved you, is what Jesus said. And here, here the translators put the word healed because sozo, salvation, is more than just forgiveness. It's healing. So he says your faith, so whether he says your faith has saved you or your faith has healed you, it's the same faith. And the man received both that day. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I love that. So what's it going to take to be real? What do we learn from this guy named Bart? It's going to, what's it going to take to be real? It's going to take a hunger. It's going to take a hunger. It's going to take a humility. And it's going to take a human being. I want to talk to you first about this idea of hunger. First thing that we see in Bart is this, that he was so hungry for a change in his life. So hungry for a change in his life. Each day, someone would lead him by the hand to a certain place along the road. And he would sit there in the dirt with his little cup and his little sign that says, I am blind. Please, I need some money for food. Every day he had some little sign, whatever it was, I don't know. But every day he was placed there. It was it was day after day. It was week after week. It was year after year. And no matter how much money he got in his cloak that day, he was back the next day because fundamentally his condition had not changed. He was still blind. He has a condition that affects every single part of his life. Nobody wants to marry him because uh, back in that day, uh, you would marry a man who could provide for you. Not a bad idea. Come on, ladies. Amen. Amen. So, you know, he's not married. He's alone. He needs somebody to lead him around. He can't get education because he can't read. He can't get it. He doesn't have it. So he doesn't have a job. 
He is stuck in a condition, uh, a cursed condition all of his life. And he knows this. And then one day something happens. He is sitting there. He is begging. And he hears this crowd of people. He hears this commotion. And he asks somebody, what's going on? And somebody says, Jesus of Nazareth is on. He's passing through on his way to Jerusalem for Passover. He said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he stopped begging at that moment. And he started shouting. He said, Jesus. He said, son of David, which is a, 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 a messianic title. He was acknowledging Jesus was the Messiah. Son of David, have mercy on me. He went from begging to shouting. And I want you to know this morning, he, he wasn't shouting. He wasn't shouting so, so Jesus could fill his cup again. He wasn't shouting to get a free lunch that day. He was shouting to get a free life. He realized he had an opportunity to get his condition fundamentally changed. He had an opportunity where, you know what, maybe I don't have to sit in the dirt and beg every day, every day because of this condition that's that's hindering me and holding me back. I have an opportunity to be fundamentally changed today and get unstuck from my stuck condition. And so he begins shouting. What's it going to take to be real? It's going to take a real hunger. This guy had a real hunger. He said, I don't want to stay this way anymore. Somebody once said that the pain of sometimes the pain of staying the same has to become greater than the pain of change before we are willing to do the things we need to do to change. And Bart had lived with this condition, this pain long enough. And he said, enough is enough. I am tired of sitting here in this dirt pile day after day. I am tired of begging. I am tired of having to come back every day. I am tired of this condition and I want out of this condition. Can I tell you, he was hungry for change. And before you can get real and get honest, you've got to get hungry. You've got to want a different thing more than you want the thing you have. And you might say, well, why is this getting real so important? Let me tell you why it's so important. Because Jesus won't get real with you until you get real with him. You cannot work. You cannot deal with God on the basis of false pretense. You can't fake it with God. And God goes, oh, yeah, I like you. I want to be your friend. Yeah. How many of you know you can't fool God? God is a God of truth. And he will only deal with us on the basis of truth. Until you get truthful with him, he can't get truthful with you. And he wants to. But it begins with a hunger. Before you can get real, you have to get hungry. What's going to take to get real? It's going to take a real hunger. Second thing it's going to take is a real humility. It's going to take a real humility. Bart didn't say that day uh, when Jesus called him. To him, Bart didn't say, you know, I'm fine. I'm good. He said, I'm blind. He said, I'm blind. In a few weeks, I'm going to a meeting in Nebraska. It's called the Nebraska District Council. And at this district council meeting, there will be about 90 churches 
90 Assemblies of God churches. We're in Assemblies of God church. 90 Assemblies of God churches from around the state of Nebraska are going to come together for annual business. Woohoo! We're going to come together for annual business and, and spiritual encouragement. And of those 90 churches, there's about 30 churches that are really struggling. They're struggling. They're either without a pastor or they're going through some financial difficulty or they have a bad reputation in the community and they are struggling. These 30 churches. And these 30 churches have been reached out to and have been asked, would you submit your needs in writing so we can take those needs and bring them before these 90 churches, this district council, so we can pray for your church? Isn't that awesome? You know what most of these 30 churches said? They said, no thanks. We don't want to put our dirty laundry in front of everybody to see. How arrogant. How prideful. I'd rather live with my dirty laundry than be cleansed. I'd rather sit in the dirt and beg day after day than to cry out, than to shout out, than to make my need known. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on our churches. Pride keeps us hidden. Pride keeps things in. I don't want people to know my dirty. Well, then live with your dirty laundry then. But when you get tired of it, when you get hungry enough, when you're ready to humble yourself, God's ready to change your, he's ready to change your condition. God still opposes the proud. And he still gives grace to the humble. Thank God. I became born again at age 16 and it was in a church that's a lot like glad tidings. And uh, I was born again and, and a couple years later, our, our whole family, my whole, my brothers and sisters, my mom and dad, were all attending this church together. And I remember I was sitting right out in the, in the back, right about over there. And, uh, and I'm sitting with my whole family and the pastor gives a, a salvation altar call. He's inviting people who want to get saved to raise their hand. And I thought he was asking for something else. I probably wasn't paying attention. You know, I, it happened. So I put my hand up, you know, I got my hand up and he goes, and he goes, okay, you go put your hands down. I put my hand down. He goes, now all of you just raise your hand and are ready to get saved. I want you to come forward. And I thought, oh, I misunderstood the altar call. So I didn't get up and go forward. And pretty soon I get this tap on my shoulder and it was the usher who was working that door. And, and he said, hey. Hey, I, I noticed you raised your hand and I and I just want to let you know I'm, I'll go down there with you. And he's saying this loud enough for my whole family can hear, <laughs> you know, and I am just turning 10 shades of red. I am so embarrassed at this point. I thought, oh, my family just thinks I have been faking it all this time and I've not been saved. And now I'm raising now I won't go forward and all this. And I'm just embarrassed to no end. And. And I had to explain to my family afterwards and they're laughing, you know, and I just felt so stupid. But you know what? I was so full of pride. I didn't need to come down and get saved again and again and again every Sunday. That wasn't it. But my pride was in the way. There was this pride there. Who cares? Who cares? You know, I heard about these two pastors. They went to a... Uh, they went to a meeting together, a church meeting, and uh, they weren't preaching, these two pastors. They were sitting and receiving like you are. And the, the preacher was preaching, and at the end, he gave an altar call. 
And he encouraged any of you who are struggling, he said, with same gender temptation. God, God wants to help you. I want you to come down and we're going to pray together. And so he gave this altar call and he called other things as well. And one of those pastors got up and came down to the altar. And after the service, um, the two of them were talking and the one said to the other, I didn't know you struggle with same gender attraction or same gender temptation. I didn't know you struggled with that. He goes, I don't. I just never want to. That's why I went to the altar. In fact, he made it his practice to respond to altar calls. No matter what, I'm going down there. And his attitude was, you know what? I am going to humble myself before God every opportunity I have. Because I don't want to get to that place where God opposes me because of my pride. So every opportunity, I'm going to humble myself. Isn't that awesome? I love that humility. I want to be honest this morning. I, I want to be honest every morning, but I want to be real with you. I want to be humble before you today. I, I, I am a man just like you guys. I'm a man. I struggle with anger at times. I've yelled at my kids before. I've had to apologize. Let me tell you something, guys. When you do something stupid, your kids are going to learn more from your mistakes than your successes if you handle them right. If you go back and you apologize. I'm tempted with lust. I'm a man. Right? I'm tempted to be greed, to be full of greed and, and, and get stingy. You know, I've been very generous. We've been very generous over my life. But there's a part of me that wants to hold on to things. That greed. And I have found that throughout my life, it's, it's not the temptation. It's not the, it's not the sinning from time to time. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with it. It's at the end of the day, are you going to sit begging in the dirt? Or are you going to cry out, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me? Genesis 4, 7 says, sin is crouching at your door. Some of you feel that this morning. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Most of the time I rule over it, but sometimes it rules over me. But at the end of the day, I'm the one not begging in the dirt. I'm the one shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The apostle Paul said, if I'm going to boast, I'm no longer going to boast about my accomplishments the Apostle Paul said, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. Because when I can boast about that, then Christ's power can rest upon me. We're real good about boasting about what we've accomplished. And, you know, that's just, I mean, it's just, that's exciting stuff. You know, I broke the five minute mile and I shot the biggest deer in the forest and all of that. And I've not done either. But, and one I'll never do, but the other one I hope to do. We always want to brag about things we've accomplished. And, and Paul had this huge list of things that he had done and, and, and how religious he was and, and how good he was. And, and he really was and how educated and how trained he was. And he considered all of that rubbish. He said, that's like dung to me. That's a pile of crap. That's what he was saying. He said, compared to what God is, I'm going to boast about my weakness. I'm going to boast about what God has done for me, not what I have done for God. And so he was always putting his weakness out there because God is attracted to our weakness when we confess it. 
You can be weak this morning and God's not attracted to it. In fact, he could be opposed to it. But the moment you confess your sin, the moment you humble yourself, grace is attracted. God is attracted to that thing. And that day, God was attracted to this man named Bart because of his humility. And I want you to notice what what Jesus did when Bart got really hungry and when he got really humble. The Bible says in verse 48 that Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Remember, he was on his way to Jerusalem for Passover, very important meeting. And here is this guy out of hundreds, perhaps thousands of people that gets Jesus's attention. Jesus stops. Can I tell you this morning that your hunger and your humility will stop Jesus in his tracks? It will get God's attention quicker than anything else. And it wasn't his shouting that got his attention. It was his faith. His shouting was the result of his faith. His shouting was the fruit of his faith. Listen, you tell me you have faith, you better be a shouter. If you're not shouting for mercy, you don't have any faith. This man was shouting for mercy because he had faith. Jesus heard it. Jesus saw it. Jesus then did something. He called to the man. He said, have him come. Listen, when you call to Jesus, Jesus calls to you. He's going to call your name. Send that man over here. I want a face-to-face interaction with him. And now Bart is standing in front of Jesus. And Jesus asks the weirdest question in the world. He says, Bart, what do you want? Man, if I were Jesus, I'd be like, Jesus, are you blind? This guy's blind. Can't you see he's blind? Don't you think he wants to see? And how many of you know, not everybody who has a condition wants to be healed. Not everybody who's blind wants to see. Not every church in the Nebraska district of the Assemblies of God wants mercy. What do you want? I want to keep this thing hidden. I don't want to put my dirty laundry out there. I'd like to live with it a little longer. Fine. So Jesus is not assuming that just because this man, he might want a, he might want to fill his, his cloak with money early that day. That's what beggars did. They'd take off their coat, they'd lay it down, and people would put money on it. Maybe he wanted, you know, to fill it early in the day. Jesus, you know, fill my cup. Jesus, fill my cloak. He didn't. Because if he had, Jesus probably would have done it if he had the money. But the man would have been back the next day in the same condition. He asked the man, what do you want? He says, I want a fundamental change. I want you, Jesus, to go right to the core, right to the very root of my condition and touch it and heal it. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And the Bible says that Jesus healed him. He said, go, your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you that day. What's it going to take to be real? It's going to take a real hunger. I don't want to live like this. It's going to take a real humility. I'm willing to put my laundry out there. I'm willing to admit I'm blind. And it's also going to take a real human It's going to take a real human to admit your need. It's also going to take a real human to meet your need. That particular day in Bartimaeus' life, Bart's life, it was Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. It was Jesus himself. Can I tell you, Jesus is still walking the earth today through you and I. What's it going to take to be real? It's going to take a real human to admit it, but also a real human to come alongside you to meet that need. There's this guy, he's walking along the road, he falls into a pit. It's a really deep pit. And the sides of this pit are really steep, really way up there. And there's no way he can get out of this pit. Doctor walks along and the man in the pit cries out, Hey, you up there, can you help me? 
Doctor writes a prescription, throws it down into the pit, walks on. Priest comes along. Hey, sir, priest, can you help me? Help me up out of this pit. Priest writes down a prayer on a piece of paper, throws prayer down into the hole, walks on. Friend walks along, comes along the pit. Guy in the pit says, hey, Joe, I'm down in this pit. Can you help me? Joe jumps into the pit. (laughs) Guy in the pit says, you idiot. Now we're both in this pit. Joe says, well, I've been here before and I know the way out. What's it going to take to be real? (laughs) Sometimes it takes another human being who's willing to jump into the hole with you. Somebody who's been there before and knows the way out. See, when it comes to it, end of this service is wrapping up. We're just a building full of human beings. There's no big eyes and little U's in the room today. We're just, we're broken, we're blind people, and we're stuck in a hole. We need mercy. You may look nice last week when you came to church. You may look nice this week, but I don't know what's going on in your your heart. And I would guess that there's a lot of you that like blind Bartimaeus, you're you're like week after week. You're just you feel like you're just sitting in the dirt day after day, week after week, year after year. And you're just begging and you're in this condition of, of helplessness and hopelessness. And it's limiting so many parts of your life. It's affecting so many parts of your life. It's it's your condition. And today, maybe you need another human being. Maybe you need somebody who'll jump in the hole with you. (laughs) Help me out. And somebody jumps in with you. And they say, you know what? I've been here before. Let me show you the way out. Here's a question. How come we're not all real and not all honest about our brokenness? Like Bart was on that day. Maybe it's because we think that as long as we never let anyone know who we really are, then they can never really reject us. And we have this idea that if people really know who I am, they're not going to accept who I am. They're going to reject who I am. And that may happen. But let me tell you this. If you don't take the risk and let somebody know who you really are, they can't really love you either. They can't reject the real you, but they can't love the real you either. Let me ask you this this morning. Would you like people around you to love the real you or the one you're pretending to be? Because if they're loving the person you're pretending to be, they're really not loving you, are they? They're loving this false identity that you have, that you walk around with. Can I tell you that, that, that the most powerful thing in the world is when, when, when somebody knows who you are, what you've done, what you're struggling with, what hole you're in, and they love you nonetheless. They love you anyway. Unconditional. You know, when I was dating Carrie back in the day, we were, I was 18 years old. We were just out of high school. And uh, we were we were seeing each other and going to dinner and going for walks and things were going great. And I was like, man, this is awesome. And one day I asked her a question, stupid question. I said, if you could change anything about me, what would you change? (laughs) And it was, you know, I thought it was a great question because, you know, I thought she was going to come back with, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. 
Instead, she comes back and she goes, you're insecure. And I'm like, what? What? I thought I was hiding it really well. I had covered up real good and, you know, everything. I was saying the right things, doing the right things. I was the strong, confident, you know, alpha male I thought I was, you know, trying to be. And she read right through that. She knew I was an insecure young man. And she said that day, you're insecure. But you know what? She loved me just the same. She loved me unconditionally. And even though that was a painful moment in our relationship, it was a powerful moment and it defined things moving ahead. I thought, this girl really knows how to love. Because she really knows me and she still loves me. Very powerful. If you fake it until you make it, you'll never make it. Because faking it only assures us that we can never really be loved and healed in the areas that are broken. What if instead of faking it, you became real? And what if instead of being rejected, you were actually loved? When you, when you are real with another person, you risk being rejected, but you also risk being loved. And I have discovered that people don't reject you as much as, they, as you think they are. They don't reject you as, as much as you think they'll reject you. And a lot of times they'll say this. They'll say, wow, I thought I was the only one. Right? Or they'll say, you know what? I, I have so much respect for you for being able to be real like that. I wish I could be that real. Most of the time, people don't reject you for being real. They respect you for being real. And in the body of Christ, they love you for being real. Unconditional. What if glad tidings became the safest place for people to be real? What if we encouraged a culture where not good enough is okay? We're not smart enough is okay and not spiritual enough is okay. And it's okay because Jesus is enough. What if that was the kind of culture? It's okay to not be okay. Jesus is enough. What if we had that kind of culture? See, I believe that Christianity isn't for those who have arrived. It's for those who are departing. Who are departing a life of sitting in the dirt day after day and begging to a life of shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Christianity is not about, it's not for those who have arrived, church. It's for those who are departing. It's for those who are saying, I'm, I'm tired of the dirt. I'm tired of sitting there day after day in my same condition. I'm tired of that. Christianity is for those who want to depart from that and begin a journey of everyday wholeness. And God help us as Glad Tidings Church to be that kind of place, to be that kind of people. To be real, it's going to take a, a hunger. It's going to take a humility and it's going to take a real human this morning, it's, it's time to take off that mask and just admit that you're not okay this morning. Maybe in your small group tonight, maybe at coffee with a friend, but at some point you're going to say, you know what? Um, I'm not okay. There's stuff going on. I'm blind. I'm not okay. But knowing that God loves you right where you are at is a powerful, powerful thing. Knowing this morning, I want you to know this. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way because God wants to meet you and change your condition. He wants to go to the root of your condition and you can be here and you can, you know, and say, you know what? I am stuck, but I am not ready to be unstuck. I'm just stuck. That's okay. You can stay that way. 
You're still welcome. We want you to be part. Bring your hurt. Bring your wounds. But God has something better for you. He wants to deliver you from that not okay place that you're in. And if you will have that hunger and humility, you'll be a human being before. And say, God, I need you. I need mercy. He'll meet you right where you're at. Maybe getting real means admitting that you've always thought you were good enough or religious enough for God. But today you realize you need mercy. You need God's mercy to forgive you. Maybe you're maybe you thought you could see clearly. But today you you realize, man, there's some blindness in your life. Or maybe you've been racked by addictions or your marriage is a mess. Or maybe your kids are going off the hook. Or maybe you're exploding in anger at those you love most. Or maybe you've got some addiction to something and and you just you want freedom today. Maybe it's time to get real with God and with another human being. And if you do, here's what you'll find this morning. You're going to find a savior that will save you, a healer that will heal you, and a God who loves to jump in the pit with you and show you the way out. That's what you'll find today. It's okay to not be okay, but God doesn't want you to stay that way this morning. He wants to meet you. Truth of the matter is when we get real with God, God gets real with us. When we get real with God, truthful with God, God gets real with us. If you want to get real this morning and you want to be like Bart and you want to cry out for mercy. See, he was so hungry for it. When they rebuked him and told him to shut up, they said, get out of my way. So I'm so hungry for change. I'm going to shout even louder, he said. And maybe this morning you have a need for the God's mercy in your life. You have a need for God's healing in your life. And you want to be real. And you want that process to begin in your heart. I'm just going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to, ask you to stand here in just a few moments. But I, let's go back into the text for just a quick moment. There was a place where after he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And, and, and Jesus called for him to come. The Bible says that he took his cloak and he threw his cloak to the side. The cloak was a big garment. It was a big, heavy garment. And a lot of times they would, they would use it to actually sleep in. It was that kind of thing. It was big. You could sleep in it. It was something they would lay down to the beggars and they would, the money would be put into it. And at that point, he threw that thing off. And it was, it reminds me of Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, where it says, he says, the writer says that you are, you are standing before a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily besets us and let us run this race with perseverance and you have this picture of this guy Bart taking this thing that was that was hindering him if he was going to go see Jesus and run to Jesus he didn't want to trip up on it it was going to hinder him he said I'm going to throw that thing off some of you need to throw that cloak off this morning and 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 he's it's the thing you've been sleeping in all your life it's the thing that you've been begging with all your life and you want to throw that thing off and and you want to run to Jesus and receive that mercy and grace this morning. I'm going to ask you, if you need mercy this morning for some area of your life, maybe you've lost in your sin, maybe you're backslidden, maybe you're desperate and there's a situation going on in your life and you're crying out for mercy, throw off that that cloak. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if that's you and you need mercy. One, two, three. Stand to your feet if you need mercy this morning. I'm hungry. I'm humbling myself. I'm a real human being and I need mercy this morning. We're just going to be real before God. Thank you, Lord. 
that you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And this morning, those standing here, God, are saying, God, we humble ourselves before you. And we need mercy. God, we're tired of sitting in the dirt, begging day after day. God, we need a fundamental change. And our standing is our shouting this morning. Our standing is our faith. And we're saying, God, we need you. We need you to do a miracle. We need you to go to the very root, God, of our condition, God, and touch the very root of it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I want you to hear the words that Jesus asked Bart. He said, Bart, what do you want? What do you want? God is asking you right now. Jesus is asking you, what do you want? Bart said, I want to see. Tell him what you want. I want to be forgiven. I want to be delivered. Tell him what you want. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Your faith, your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. The Bible says that immediately, immediately, Bart could see. Not only could he see, he did something. It says he followed Jesus. Followed Jesus. He took that journey with Jesus to Jerusalem for Passover. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing here today. Thank you for the mercy and the grace that's just being poured out on, on us today. everybody to stand if you would now everybody I'm going to invite our prayer workers to come and some of you need somebody to jump in the pit with you and and pray your way out of that pit with you or walk with you out of that pit and our prayer workers are available I've prayed with with everyone who is standing but some of you you need you need somebody to agree very specifically over your situation some of you today who maybe you cried out for mercy to be forgiven. Um, you, you realize this morning you're a sinner, you're a lost sinner, but today you're coming to Jesus. If that was your cry, forgive me, God, I'm a sinner. Save me, God, I'm a sinner. I want you to come and let one of these prayer workers know that you, that you made that decision, that you prayed that today. And they've got a booklet they want to give you called Now What? That's a great question. Now what do I do? Uh, this little booklet will answer that. And we want to get just your information so we can just follow up and encourage you this morning. Amen. Amen. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As you're dismissed, I'm going to ask you to be respectful for those at the altar. Our worship team is going to lead us in worship. Okay. If you want to stay in worship, that's great. We're not going to let the second service bully us around. So if you want to stay, stay to worship. Okay. Not to chitter chatter. You can do that outside. All right. God bless you. Have a great day. Jesus.